0: And at the same time, so so like one foot is on the career prep side. And at the same time, the other foot is firmly planted and saying, like, we're challenging the establishment, you know, because that's the only way you produce change. Like you can't, as Vicky always says, I'll quote you, even though you're on the podcast. Um... You know, the people that got us into this are not the ones that are going to get us out. And the system that got us in is not the system that's going to get us out. So we have to challenge the establishment. So that's a little bit of a balance act. I think we pull it off like beautifully. Sometimes people in the establishment do get a little bit like, who the heck are you? And what are you trying to do? Like, tell me that again. And sometimes they're supportive, but but it's hard to be a rebel sometimes. And we are definitely rebels.
1: Welcome back to EcoAlarm, the podcast where we break down the major factors affecting the environment and explore what we can do to help. I'm your host, Ivani.
2: And I'm your host, Beau. And today we'll be talking to Diego and Becky, the founders of voice So
1: voice is a community of Gen Z students looking to change the way we view corporate sustainability. To do this, voice offers an eight-week internship program where students can learn how to critically analyze the sustainability of the products we use every day. Over the summer, I was actually a part of the program, and it was such a great experience.
2: They're now introducing VOYS to college campuses, including one coming to USC. Since it started in 2020, VOYS has grown into a network of over 50 schools across the world and a database of thousands of product reviews.
3: Hi,
1: guys. Thank you so much for coming on. We're here with our guests, Vicky and Diego, from Voice Reviews and and talk a little bit about sustainability and what they do over there. So, uh, I guess we'll start with Vicki. If you want to introduce yourself,
3: where you're from, your career background, any of that, feel free. Well, first, thank you for having us. My name is Vicki Onodera, and I am a career educator that lives in Denver, Colorado. I just um, retired from a 29-year career as a high school English teacher and an instructional coach, um, worked on uh, culturally responsive education as well as uh, PD facilitation for teachers and did a lot of work with students and student voice. So yeah, I've recently transitioned voice and so I'm really excited to to be part of the community and as we grow and and work um, together. Awesome. Diego, if you want to go ahead.
0: Yeah, sure. So my name is Diego Espinosa and I'm a co-founder of Voice, founded about a year, a little over a year ago. Um, and I have a kind of a varied career. I've been a strategy consultant, I've been a money manager and a Wall Street analyst and I've been a research director, managing Wall Street analysts. Um, I can go into why that's relevant to Voice actually, and um, also been a college adjunct professor and a tech entrepreneur in the blockchain space. And all of those experiences basically like were like a big arrow pointing towards Voice. So, believe it or not.
1: Great. I guess just well, I'm sure we explained it on the intro, but if you guys could explain a little bit about what Voice is and maybe how you got involved.
0: Okay, sure. So you know, Voice is basically a way to amplify and, well, first educate, but then amplify the voices of of Gen Z's when it comes to how our economy should work and how it should become more sustainable. And the idea behind voice is that sustainability, so much of it is about the economy, right? The product life cycles that produce carbon emissions and the supply chains that will have fair or not fair uh, trade how we're uh, how companies are being inclusive or not how what's happening to products after we dispose with them those are all the kind of elements of sustainability and and they have a big impact on our world and so the idea is like that impact is going to affect young people it's their world to inherit to be in the future and the decision makers that are that are deciding on those product designs and how they're made and so forth they You know, they're in authority today, but, you know, there's nothing against them to say that they won't be around 40 years ago, most of them, 40 years from now, most of them. And so there's like this fundamental imbalance. Like the people that are making decisions are not the ones that are most impacted uh, by in the future. And also today, because it's not about the future for communities that are being marginalized. It's, It's environmental and social impact that they're experiencing today. Their voices are not invited to the table. So voice is an attempt to remedy that. To help remedy that, it can't be the only one. It's got to be a lot more. Um, and so we're trying to educate Gen Zs on how how the economy works and whether it's sustainable or not, how corporations work, and then give them the tools to evaluate and scrutin and scrutinize those corporate actions, and then have a, and then be able to tell consumers what's going on. And, and in that way, indirectly and also directly, talking directly to corporations, have a say over over what happens and how the economy evolves.
3: Yeah. And so I came to um, voice several months ago. I actually met Diego via social media late last year. And he was talking about starting a high school program, similar to what we have at the universities and so with my experience we started to connect and talk about the curriculum and then pretty soon realized there were a lot of sort of intersections between the work that I was doing around responsiveness and culturally responsive education and kind of the intersection between sustainability and and racial justice so started talking a lot about that and then I came on as a co-founder in June and for me I think the appeal along with the opportunity to continue working with with students is also this idea of, you know, I've always been a, a big proponent of, you know, amplifying voice and agency and and really making sure that the people most impacted by decisions have a voice in those decisions. And so the whole sort of premise a voice really appealed to me. I see a lot of connections between um, what it means to be responsive and what we have to do to ensure that we can create an equitable and sustainable future. So for me, it just was a natural fit for us to to work together, and it's been really great so far.
1: I'd be kind of curious to um, if there's any specific connections that you saw while you were doing your work in education that kind
3: of you see similarly in your work in sustainability. Absolutely. Um, I, I think about this a lot, particularly with my work around racial justice. And I think about as we start to focus, and I think rightfully so, more on the larger systemic racist issues, I see that as kind of a parallel to the need to focus on corporations and larger sort of systemic causes to issues around sustainability. And so while there are individual acts that we definitely want to, you know, eliminate and, and focus on doing specific things, but as if we look at the entire system, we really have to say like what's the what's the source, right? What's that larger kind of mechanism that's having the greatest impact and, the, and doing the greatest harm. And so when I think about sustainability and, and and the SDG 12, and I think about, oh, okay, you know, this is about what is being produced and how it's being produced. I see a lot of parallels to that. And so for me, it just seemed like a natural fit around kind of the work that, you know, whenever you're trying to, to really work on on solving an injustice and creating a more equitable, sustainable world. That's kind of an area that you need to focus on along with those other areas as well.
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, Bo, if you want to jump in to kind of talk about the products that Voice reviews and kind of how they're evaluated, I mean, we kind of just talked about your background and how that relates, but I guess how do you translate that into Voice's curriculum and how you teach uh gen z's how to review their products
0: yeah so i didn't mention it because uh, you had asked like what well also kind of what made you gravitate towards boys um and i, I guess i would add that when i was a, a wall street research analyst so those are the people that tell you whether like buy buy or sell stock you know because it's going up or it's going down and they write research reports and they scrutinize the company for their profits and so i i used to regularly meet with like top management of uh companies like ceos and and I was like in my early 30s, kind of like late 20s and I would like hold them accountable for the profits. Like, why are you doing this? And you know, why not that? And you know, um, and so as I started to get more and more into sustainability, it kind of dawned on me, like, why aren't there people doing that more on the sustainability side? Like after all, like, isn't it more important for the CEOs to be producing sustainability than than profits in the, in the scheme of things? Like in, in terms of like how society feels about it, not just like the shareholders. And so someone needs to hold them accountable in the same way that I used to hold them accountable for the decisions they're making at a really granular level. Like I used to get nitpicky and be like, "Hey, you know, what about this and what about that?" And and so the idea behind uh, the reviews that students do at Voice is to really understand what's happening when it, when a person clicks by, like what are the what is the chain of events that kind of cascades from that? And so it's it's basically like the mining of like the metal for a cell phone and then it's being sent to different parts of the world and, and like, you know, soldered with, with other pieces of metal and, and then, you know, assembled and, and all these things, and then it's being used and then it's being used again, and then maybe thrown away into become e-waste. And so it's understanding that whole chain of events and, and asking uh, critical thinking questions, like who's benefiting from what's going on? Like, first of all, like what's going on, (laughs) who's benefiting, why is it happening? How could it be different? And, and I think that 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 part of critical thinking is probably the most interesting one which is like how could it be different because that's the invention of every reviewer we don't have like a template or like look on this spreadsheet and you can get standards for everything like how do you standardize racial justice like i, I you know we could do a whole show about that um and um and so it's not it's kind of like the subjective experience and the values of the of the reviewer that is evaluating what's going on and then saying to themselves, like, I'm okay with this, or I'm not okay with this. Like, this needs to change. And so that, that's what boys Reviews is. Is It's like there is critical thinking, there's rigor, and there's creativity, but it comes from engagement and really caring about the outcome and what should be happening instead of what is happening.
3: And I would add, too, I, I think, um, you know, the, the former English teacher and me, what I love about the way that these reviews are written is that it has student voice in it. I mean, our students are, it's not an objective, you know, checklist type of rubric. It's saying, I reviewed this product and hey, this is what I found out and I'm not loving it, right? Like here's here's how this makes me feel about this product and this is what I think should happen. And I think when you can make as a writer an emotional connection with your reader and you're saying like, this is what's coming up for me as I review this product, I think that kind of humanizes the experience and does hold people more accountable for that versus when you can just sort of distill it down into a, you know statistical data and you know try to, cause then people can sort of try to argue that or, but how you feel is how you feel about these products. And I think particularly for Gen Z to be able to say like, we're not okay with this, or this is great, do more of this and less of that. I think that has a, a, a way more profound impact on kind of swaying people's opinions and also getting um, people to maybe change the way that they're producing these products.
2: Yeah, it's amazing to hear about kind of how you guys collaborate on this project when you have vastly different backgrounds, Diego, coming from a finance background, looking at things from companies, shareholders perspective, and Vicky from you know more of an educator's uh, point of view. So next, I'd love to talk more about um, sort of the challenges uh, you guys face in creating and sustaining voice as an organization.
3: Well, yeah, actually, it's been um, one of those things where I think the challenges have been very much within the realm of like the excitement around, uh, around producing it in the first place, right? So of course, there's always challenges around getting people to to know who you are right to know that we exist that there the reviews are out there you know and for me specifically to kind of help high schools understand like this is something that we can do with with high school students as well we've done a couple pilots but I think it's a little bit different than than the kind of curriculum or the kind of clubs that you typically see in schools and so a lot of it is just like how do we sort of amplify who we are, because I think we're doing a lot of really great work. And it's just a matter of like, kind of getting people to to understand that. And I think um, that's always going to be a little bit of a challenge, but I think as we have more and more students and, you know, they always say like, word of mouth is probably the best, but that, that's really what we're seeing is people are talking about, hey, I did this, you know, it's eight weeks and it was really great. And that might be something you want to think about. And it's starting to kind of snowball more, but I think that's definitely... Uh, one of the challenges that we have along with launching the high school program.
0: Yeah, and I, I would say, um, you know, there's always lots of challenges when you have a new venture and we are a little bit different in that respect. Cause like we're trying to do something new to the outside world, but also internally we're trying to do new stuff at the same time, which is like really hard. And it's kind of like a toddler, like learning how to walk and like, you know, juggle at the same time or something like that. Um, so what we're trying to do with the outside world is yeah, we're, 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 it's a balancing act. We're trying to help students get the experience and and the, and the kind of like education they need to discover what they already know and how to use it with respect to environmental science and, and and sustainability. And at the same time, so so like one foot is on the career prep side. And at the same time, the other foot is firmly planted and saying like we're challenging the establishment, you know, because that's the only way you produce change. Like you can't, as Vicky always says, I'll quote you, even though you're on the podcast. Um you know, the people that got us into this are not the ones that are going to get us out. And the system that got us in is not the system that's going to get us out. So we have to challenge the establishment. So that's a little bit of a balance act. I think we pull it off like beautifully. Sometimes people in the establishment do get a little bit like, who the heck are you and what are you trying to do? Like, tell me that again. And sometimes they're supportive, but, but it's hard to be a rebel sometimes. And, and we are definitely rebels. Internally, we're trying to build a sustainable organization. And the question is like, what does a sustainable organization look like? You know, and there's not enough organizations out there modeling it and so we're, we're kind of like having them write the playbook as we go along. And you guys can all imagine the dimensions, like we need to be more inclusive. We need to be more diverse. We need to have a culture that is inclusive and that, that welcomes everyone and where they feel like they belong. We need to be equitable and we need to be transparent because, um, the, fir- the firms that were, you know, that, that the students are evaluating, they're all evaluating the transparency. And so like, we need to have like, really high level of transparency in what we do and so all all of that is really occupies our mind is not only how do we build a different system externally but how do we model that internally and and create change by by who we are and what and what we how we do things.
1: yeah and i was wondering if there's any ways that like boys is doing that currently in terms of like transparency or diversity and inclusion or any efforts that you're kind of getting the ball rolling
3: on right yeah absolutely i think that's at the forefront of how we are are building, building our system here, right? Like as we think about our organization and I think we're constantly, you know, Diego kind of referenced kind of modeling the practice we want to see. And so we're being as transparent as, as we possibly can too and being able to identify like, okay, like so many other organizations, we need to ensure that we are very inclusive, right? And that our organization reflects the world, the way that the world looks, right? And that's always a challenge. And I think when we think about it, again, I'm one of those people who thinks kind of on a, a, a technical level, but then builds up and out on the adaptive and thinking about, okay, so what does it take to, to create an inclusive environment, right? Like, what does that look like? Because it's not just getting people in the organization, but it's also when people are here that they feel validated, affirmed, cared for, that their voices are heard. So being very mindful of that. You know, I've spent um, many, many years learning about culturally responsive education, um, really identifying and working with um, the work of Dr. Adeyemi Stembridge around um, the six tenets of responsiveness. And so we've tried to really overlay those into our organization, into every aspect, so that we are, you know, modeling vulnerability, so that we are ensuring that there's a high level, level of rigor, that we are beyond just kind of the the um superficial engagement really going for that cognitive and affective engagement so we spend a lot of times thinking about that we've we've done um, some inclusive training with students we've done some lunch and learns but also not just kind of as one-offs but thinking about how does it permeate the whole system right so that people are constantly seeing us model that that they're modeling it in their leadership roles that they have support to do that um, and so, yeah, it's been, it's, you know, challenging, but it's been a commitment that we have that I feel really good about the direction that we're headed there. But um, a big piece of it is our willingness to say, like, we're still not there. We're, we're, we got to work. We got to, you know, like, nope, nope. You know, I'm always like, mm, not yet. Right. Like, got to do better. And, um, and I think that's that's unique because I think a lot of people You know, and a lot of organizations just go by numbers and they don't really think about like, how do people feel when they're in our organization, we want people to stay we want people to feel a sense of belonging, that they're here and that they're heard, Um, you know, for me as a Latina and, and just, you know, working 29 years in a career knowing what it feels like on both sides of that right where where I'm in spaces where I'm validated and affirmed and spaces where not so much and where where was I willing to put my time effort and energy and where did I sort of quietly exit because I just didn't feel affirmed and so we spend a lot of time thinking about that and and taking actionable steps to be able to do that
2: yeah that's an amazing mission and it's great to hear how far you guys have come so far And I kind of want to circle back to a point Diego made about helping students kind of taking the first step in their career in sustainability, because we frequently have guests on the podcast talk about the challenges of starting a career in just nonprofit in general, because there's just so many obstacles when you graduate, you think about kind of your career trajectory, think about, you know, more realistic uh, things. And I would love to get into sort of as boys is, you know, going keep expanding uh, on more campuses. Where do you guys see the organization in the future?
3: I think this would be a good question for you, Diego, to talk a little bit about kind of our, our plans as we move forward.
0: Yeah, but I, I want to hear you say it, but okay, <laughs> I'll go first, I guess. And so, you know, I think we have to have a mission of, of like going back and going or going home. And and the reason for that is because like, we always start from a theory of change. Like what can we do to move the needle? And like, that's like some organizations can have a theory of change about a community, like a small like neighborhood or whatever. And that's awesome. Like, you know, and they can can have a lot of impact there. Um, It's just that we took on this question of like, how do we make corporations in the world really make decisions that are much more sustainable. And you can only do that. You can only get their attention. You can only counterbalance their power if you're big. And so, um, so when you say like, what is voice gonna look like in the future? I gotta say like, voice is gonna be big. Like it's gonna be upwards of 100,000 students. Um, it's gonna be on, you know, like 500, 1,000 campuses all across the world. We already are in, in, in many campuses in different points of the world. It's, it's going to be an organization that is really easy to join and get involved and start contributing to. And technology is gonna play a role in that. And might as well say it, like for those of you that know, uh, what this is, like, we're we we becoming a blockchain DAO in order to do that. So we're, we're all about, like, innovating and saying, yeah, we want to be big, but, like, nonprofits, the vast majority of them don't get big, right? So how, how do we do things differently? And one of those is employing technology and especially this technology for, for uh, running decentralized self-organizing organizations that are basically run by their communities. It's like voice can only be big if it's run by the community. Like if it's if it's me saying like hey everybody do this and come this way and whatever like that's only gonna get me so far like I yeah I think I have good abilities and everything but like it's it's just much so much more powerful if it's students and their own passion and their en- and their own energy driving it forward so that's what we're trying to do we're trying to create an organization that's really easy and transparent to, to join contribute to deal with know what the rules are have a sense that it that you not only belong but it, but that you. You own it. I, I prefer you share it rather than own it. You share that organization. It's part of it, but you know, is part of you. And so if we can construct that, we can get really big and, and have an impact on the world.
3: Yeah, I think one of the most appealing parts of as we look into the future, and, and I've already seen it just um, being part of the organization is that it's it's an organic sort of living thing. And so a lot of times it has gone in directions that we didn't didn't necessarily expect. Because it was student driven, you know, even the high school program, a lot of that came out of students saying, gosh, I wish I would have had something like this college program when I was in high school, like the first time I ever really started to have an in depth knowledge is when I took, you know, AP environmental, or, you know, would have been great if I could have started younger, if I could have We're like, yeah, we could do that. Um, A lot of ideas just coming from students saying, hey, I think we can do a pilot at my old school and maybe I can reach out. And so it'll be interesting to see. I mean, one of the great parts of this, many great parts of this is that it is so community driven that I think we're going to see, especially as we become a DAO, lots of of people coming together and saying, I kind of have an interest here and I'm thinking I want to maybe explore this what do you think and we can support that we can say yeah let's let's do it and because it's not um, based on a hierarchy it can be very driven by just a small group of students who may have a specific interest and then back within the DAO or kind of sharing that interest or getting support as they go through so i i predict that you know in the future we're going to see a very large community um people who are still with us people who were part of our organization before and kind of come, come in and out. But I think there's lots of opportunity for growth that, you know, it's hard to predict where it'll go. Um, I think the mission and the vision and the greater conceptual understanding is solid and that we'll, we'll have that, but that the sky's kind of the limit based on what, what our students want to do and and where their interests lie. And we're going to support that as, as we move forward.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think it's like so admirable, like how, I guess, ambitious and just seeing how much it's grown since I've been in in it for such a little bit of time, like between the high school program and expanding the college program. I guess kind of going off of that, there's so many new things that are coming out, I guess for any people listening, they're like, oh my gosh, I totally want to do this. Like how, I guess if you can list off all the way, different ways that they can kind of get involved with voice, that'd be great.
0: Yeah, for sure. I guess I'll take that one. So our core program is an eight week sustainability analyst program where you come in and you get the training. Um, there's a lot of, of opportunity to interact with peers in that training. So a lot of what we do is peer led education. And that means that you get, you get to like discover with other college students, like what are they seeing in their reviews and how do people feel about it and what should be done? And so this is a conversation that's ongoing within that training. And so week by week, what you're doing is you're picking a product or an organization. It could be sports equipment, it could be fashion, it could be a cell phone. And you're seeing how it's made, who makes it, and what it's made of. And so you're evaluating those things. You're researching it, and then you're writing a review about it. Um, you come into what's called a review session, and we, and we talk about it with your peers. So that core program is an eight-week program, and, and we put about 270 students through it uh, from about 50 universities, really you know, kind of all over the world. So, but there are other ways to get involved too. There's an advocacy track where we have different teams that advocate and, and, and kind of communicate with the external world, social media, editorial, where you write articles, um, education, which Vicky can talk more about, and brands and partners, which basically network with companies to see, to have a dialogue with them and, and brands and get them on our side, um, or, or just plain like talk to them about what we're, we're saying, what you guys are saying and what's going on. And so that advocacy track is like ongoing. People can stay in that. Um, And then there's also an opportunity to be involved in your campus. We're rolling out local campus chapters at eight universities this fall. And if you're interested in starting one at your school, please let us know, uh, because we're growing, we're growing that way. And then finally, there's leadership opportunities. You can be a leader of one of these teams. You can be a, a leader, a pod leader for the sustainability analysts where you are, you're actually betting their reviews and giving them coaching and feedback on how to improve them. And um, so for this fall, uh, we have about 15 sustainability analyst leads, and Manny is one of them, and I'm really excited about that. And so uh, so there's plenty of opportunities for leadership, especially as the, as the organization grows and expands. So voice is something that we want people to, to be engaged with, stay engaged with as long as they want, come in and out of, and really find all kinds of different ways to contribute.
1: And Vicky, if you wanted to expand a little bit about the education Section. Sure.
3: Yeah. So one of the the advocacy tracks is our education track, and on that track, you know, we we started spending, you know, really kind of focusing on expanding into the high school realm, but then also because again, we we sort of are driven by student interest and 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 what. Um, what we kind of generate as we meet together and collaborate on ideas and are moving towards some content production of, you know, really looking at, okay, so what's, what's out there that we can, um, you know, kind of do differently, right? That kind of models the, the values of our organization and kind of the, that idea of voice and a- advocacy and agency. And so a lot of our students on that track have been working on um, producing video, uh, really looking at um, some content that we can sort of put out into into the universe and see who sort of picks that up. And uh, it's actually been really cool, a lot of fun to kind of see what what they've been able to produce. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how that works. And as we become a DAO, I think we're gonna see a lot of sort of um, groups of students who are saying like, here's here's a contribution I can make in a, this particular area. And so in, in the area of content creation, um, that's definitely a focus for the for the advocacy track, um, the education advocacy track right now.
0: If I can follow on just a little bit, like as a whole, like what does voice look like in the future? We're already one of the biggest producers of content about sustainability, literally in the world. Like we have uh, an editorial team. We, have, we had 120 students this summer. Um, and and producing like you know one page each uh, each week, and so like imagine how many newsrooms about sustainability that have like six people or seven people, right? So and we're only going to get bigger, and so I think that in education, in editorial, uh, in, in all kinds of contents surrounding sustainability, we we will actually be like a real force to be reckoned with, where everyone kind of thinks like, what is Voice saying? What does Voice think about this? Or what are the people at Voice because we don't have a single opinion on stuff, um, and that's going to be a really hopefully shake up the world.
1: Yeah, and that's exactly what you know we are trying to do, your guys are trying to do, and hopefully we can work together and get the word out about all the things um, sustainability. I wanna give you guys, if you have anything um, else to say, any advice for someone who might wanna start in voice, any advice to people who might wanna start a, an organization that's similar, anything like that, we can start with uh, Vicky.
3: So sure, I, I think, you know, there's always a lot, but I think one of the things that advice that I have, particularly for for Gen Z, is that what I admire about your generation is that you're not waiting, right? You're not saying, I, I think there's a, a sense of urgency around sustainability, around social and racial justice issues. And I love that there's these opportunities, right, through, you know, either through our organization, or even through what you're doing with, with your podcast to say, like, I don't have to wait to kind of navigate through a hierarchy to get in a position to have influence, right? I can do that now. And so when I think about voice, I think about an opportunity, right, for, for people to be part of an organization immediately starting to impact change and not having to wait and being able to say, like, I'm going to get with a group of individuals who who are thinking about these things and feel my sense of urgency and we're going to collaborate and we're going to in our own little corner of the world make make a huge difference right and we can do that and i think as we as we add more students as more people come to the program stay with the program we become kind of this larger family i think the impact is going to be felt there'll be a huge ripple effect like diego was saying i think we're going to be one of the largest if not the largest um organization and that people will have to hear our voice. They're gonna say like this, there's impact here. Let's see what they're, what they're thinking about that. So yes, I definitely encourage everyone to you know, reach out. I think whether or not um, you don't necessarily have to be you know, in an environmental studies major or anything like that. We have students who are involved in all sorts of um, you know, different majors in college or different areas of interest. And that actually adds a lot. To the organization, but a commitment to um, helping achieve those, you know, sustainability goals and equity goals. I think um, is what we have in common, and this is certainly a place where you can do
0: that. And I, I would say that you know, one of our, I guess, one of the big things that we're we're doing is we're we're trying to level power imbalances, right? So, so the thing is, like, when 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 a college student comes into Boise or a high school student or, or whatever, even if they're not going to college they it's not like they're like some junior person, you know, who has to like get experience and wait their turn. Like, it's basically like you're fully formed adults. Like what's all that about anyway, right? Like the cognitive ability and, the, and lots of other abilities of somebody of that age are like, can make as big a contribution as anybody else on the planet for sure, right? And so we, that's our premise, right? Come into voice and uh, contribute. Like we'll give you as much opportunity and a responsibility is you want to be be creative, be yourself, bring your authentic self, discover what you're capable of, and um, and and fully express that passion that you have for helping the planet and society. So that's that's something that's you know really really important to us. Um, and I think the second thing that's that's really important to know is that you know we we do value relationships and communities community of voice, and so. We hope that everyone leaves our program or is kind of like moving in and out of organization. When they leave, they think to themselves like, wow, like I, I know people from boys and I'm gonna meet up with them later in my career. And I have, we've shared things together. And like, we, we spend time, we allocate time for people to get to know each other, for them to form relationships. Because again, I'm gonna quote Vicky, there is no action um, that isn't born of a relationship. I'm probably murdering that, Vicky, please save me. What is the actual quote?
3: Well, I would say action through relationship, right? I mean, for me, I think about so many of the issues in the world are that we try to compartmentalize. We say, well, keep emotion out of this, or "This this is work, and this is social, and this is... And what we're doing is building a community that recognizes that if we're going to be successful... We have to care about one another. We have to build a sense of community around what we're doing and that you can be part of something great, enjoy it, have friends there, you know, enjoy being part of the work that we're doing and that that is how we make actionable change. So yeah, that whole idea of sort of action through relationships is a huge part of um, what we're trying to build in our community.
1: Yeah. And I can say definitely from personal experience between like hanging out with ourselves or Going to review sessions and everything, you definitely build that community in the program, and just being around people who are like-minded is always such a good opportunity. Um, if anyone listening is at USC, we are actually starting a USC chapter of VOICE uh, coming soon. Maybe by the time this episode is out, it'll already be uh, formed and on campus. But we'll keep you updated on our social media about that. But I guess with that, um, we can kind of wrap up this episode. Uh, Thank you guys both, Uh, really enjoyed the conversation. Loved hearing again about voice even being in it, but I just feel like I got so much more out of hearing the background of it and the philosophy behind it. So thank you guys. Thank you, thank you for having us.
0: Yeah, thank you both. I really enjoyed this conversation.
1: what'd you
2: think of the episode? I think it was great to, to talk about such an innovative idea of like having a sustainability ratings platform and also just hearing about how inclusive and empowering the culture is at a student center organization just sounds amazing and I'd love to hear about your experience working there
1: yeah it was a really good experience you know i'm not gonna lie it was really tough this summer because i was working full-time and then i would do boys after work but it was definitely worth it i mean i don't think i would have you know been doing that at eight o'clock at night after working for eight hours if i didn't love it so um there, writing reviews every week i guess just for background i ended up writing about like different juices for like the majority or like different drinks, which like seems really boring. But then once you get started and like discovering new companies and kind of seeing how all the drinks are different and the companies can vary widely and how, I guess, transparent they are is kind of crazy. I mean, you can look at some brands. I was definitely focused on brands that were trying to market themselves as super healthy and super, you know, environmentally friendly. But A lot of the times you'd go in there and you'd be looking for some kind of sustainability report and it would just not be there or they say, oh, we're going to be net zero by 2050. And then no indication of that happening or no progress. So definitely opened my eyes to companies and what they were doing. And another thing that was really interesting about that experience was I didn't realize how I mean they talked about in the episode but I didn't realize how global it was you know we were talking to kids from the UK and uh all over Asia and everything like that it was crazy seeing like how many people were involved in this organization so yeah I don't know if you had any other questions or takeaways from that but
2: Yeah, that's really funny you mentioned the kind of transparency of the work companies are actually doing in specifically beverage industries because obviously they're one of the main producers, you know, plastic uh, in the country. So I recently read up on how California is going to ban the kind of deceptive, these like recycling logos because they are physically or I guess chemically recyclable but there's no market for that so and these manufacturers know that Um, so it comes down to what you were talking about the transparency and how much the waste is a company actually generating versus like what they seem like or those targets that they you know promote on their websites so voice definitely sounds like a perfect place to kind of get students to think about these things and Publish them and um, to a broader audience. So yeah. sounds amazing. Maybe that's how I should spend the summer <laughs> next year. And yeah,
1: no, I'm also glad you brought up packaging because it's like not even the half of it. Like I was thinking, oh, they have a plastic bottle and this is like the worst company ever. But looking at all of the stuff that comes before that is also insane. And also looking, oh my gosh, you can get such a deep wormhole of. Certifications and it like then you have to assess like is the certification even good? I don't know if you saw like, conspiracy and that whole thing about the dolphin-safe tuna and how like that label isn't <laughs> actually very credible. Uh, that's the case for many of these things where if you actually look into the certifications that they're just putting up, saying that oh this is organic or this is whatever, not all of that stuff is true either. <laughs> so uh, yeah, if you get Sometimes a little, you know, depressing a little bit. But I think being in the community, at least seeing other people there fighting the same cause gives you a little bit of hope. But I digress. If you would like to hear Imani rant about (laughs) drinks, uh, you can go look at my page on voice. Uh, Feel free. But yeah, I guess we can kind of wrap up from there. If you want to hear more about voice and what they're doing, uh, you can follow them at voice.sustainability on Instagram and all their social media. And then their website is voicereviews.com. If you want to hear more about us and our podcast and get some more information about how to get involved with voice, you can follow us at eco alarm podcast on instagram facebook linkedin all of our social medias and with that you can't do all the good the world needs but the world needs all the good you can do bye guys